Welcome to the Fellowship. This is an audio-only episode. We currently aren't doing our YouTube show right now. We're in the process of rebooting that, uh, some schedule conflicts with our typical producer. But coming off of that wonderful week at Los Angeles Country Club in which myself and Ryan Engel were both out there. I was there for multiple days. Ryan was there on Thursday, and we watched it religiously over the weekend. Uh, We wanted to figure out a way to at least get some of our thoughts out there to all of you, the loyal listener. So we're doing an audio-only edition of The Fellowship. Call it a podcast, call it what you will, but this is something that uh, we might do more of in the future, kind of establish a regular cadence of content. And on that note, let me welcome in the CEO, the founder, my business partner, Ryan Engel. Ryan, how's it going today? Well, being an impatient person, that was the longest I've ever waited to be introduced. So I don't know, been better, I guess, to answer your question. Proud of you for not interrupting. Uh, before we get into the U.S. Open, yesterday was Father's Day. This was what, your second or third Father's Day? Third. My daughter's only two, and it was my third Father's Day. I had to really think hard to figure that math out, but um, I got it right, and it was the third one, and I got a toothbrush, so it was really good. Who gave you a toothbrush? Uh, my wife. Your wife gave you a yeah. toothbrush. Okay, I got a giant oversized card from Five Below. Are you familiar with the uh, not. discount store Five Below? Everything in the store is $5 or less, hence the name Five Below. So, Wow, I that's think, like the almost poor store. Yeah, well, yeah. It's like it, dollar store plus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's a level up from the dollar store. But uh, I think you know this and a lot of people- I who, got five on it. A lot of people who know me know this. Um, I ask for one thing and one thing only on Father's Day. Leave the house. Let me watch the US Open. I ask my family to please vacate the premise- let me watch the U.S. Open in peace and quiet. And uh, they were able to pull that off for me. It's the greatest gift you could ever ask for, the gift of silence, the gift of no interruption. I catch a lot of heat for that, but I think any any person out there who has kids ages six and four, and I love my kids dearly, can attest to there's nothing quite like the gift of peace and silence. And that is what I ask for every Father's Day, and that is what I got. It was better than the card. And I appreciate my wife for for doing that. So let's get into the U.S. Open. Wyndham Clark is your winner. Your quick snap take before we get into it. Wyndham Clark, 10 under par, wins the 123rd U.S. Open. Uh, played a hell of a round Sunday, but obviously tournament as well. Would have been nice to see some competition out there. What do you mean by that? Well, I, I, anybody who truly knows competitive golf or is seasoned enough that it's seen a number of greats. Uh, I'm thankful I'm old enough that I've witnessed a few different eras. And one thing stands out when there's a championship caliber player or mindset. Rory wanted it, but he looked a little bashful as far as eye of the tiger type of aura. Um, Wyndham Clark looked like he was ready to sling aggressive shots when need be at all times. And I didn't think I saw another golfer out there that really looked like they wanted that stage as much as he did. So for my takeaway is good for him, but kind of shame on the other guys for not really going for it. I mean, wouldn't you rather go out in a blaze of glory and, you know, get a six on six than play perky shots and make 15, 16 pars? I I don't know. I just, I, I didn't see anybody really challenging him. And that's too bad. To kind of 
summarize that and truncate it down, it sounds like you're saying it was kind of boring golf. It was definitely boring. I, I think the finish was good. You know, there was a lot of pressure on him to get to two putt for the win from 40 feet. But it's like, come on, dude. Was anyone really hitting spectacular shots? He did. That fairway medal on, on 14, that was a big shot. He clutched the drive on 18, which was huge, and hit the ball where he needed to hit it, avoided the bunker. Like, Rory played good, tee to green, but, you know, it's it's like Rory hits it past the hole or gets himself, you know, when you watch, and I know I, I'm not trying to compare anyone to Tiger, but, you know, Tiger obviously known for being one of the greats, but he had that championship kind of pedigree and mindset and he would hit it past the hole 40 feet and you watch him and you're like dude he's gonna make this I don't think anyone saw Rory from anything outside of 20 feet going oh he's gonna make this he's gonna make a run now does the guy have a beautiful swing does he hit it great is he great tee to green is he an absolute talent for sure but no one's at home going this is going in for sure you know what I mean he just doesn't have that feeling um and he's got to he's got to earn that too you know and I guess that's what I'm saying is no one's really earned that and this kid Wyndham came up, not out of nowhere, but he showed up and he executed. And it was a one-horse race, in my opinion. I think Rory had a chance, but come on. I, I don't disagree with anything that you just laid out, but Wyndham Clark is a deserving champion. Absolutely. Yesterday's U.S. Open. But I don't think that this U.S. Open deserved Wyndham Clark. And what I mean by that is this was in Los Angeles. It's been said at nauseum a million times. It's in the middle of Beverly Hills. The real estate there is worth $6 billion. That piece of land is 300 acres. An acre in Beverly Hills goes for $20 million. It's a $6 billion piece of real estate. That is three times the amount of money that Steve Ballmer paid for the Clippers. You've got this gorgeous piece of land that no one's seen in the heart of Los Angeles, all the Hollywood hype, the celebrities coming out, coming to a club that's had its gates closed to everybody for such a long time. Um, there was so much hype around this U.S. Open, and I think that it delivered on a lot of it. And if, in fact, I'm in the minority of people that really, really enjoyed everything about the U.S. Open. But from a storyline perspective, to have someone like Wyndham Clark, a relative no-name, in a final group with Ricky Fowler, who everyone wanted to see win, um, being chased by Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler for Wyndham Clark to emerge out of that and to emerge where he did and when he did, I think was lackluster for what this particular U.S. Open at Los Angeles Country Club, first time in 75 years it's been back in L.A., I think it was a little lackluster for what everyone wanted to see. And when it comes to storylines, what storyline were you rooting for? I mean, obviously the Ricky thing would have been cool. He's a good dude. Um, you know, that one year, year-ish, getting second three times, you know. But again, it comes down to some guys just have a knack for that big moment and some guys don't. It doesn't, I mean, all those guys have the shots. If they're at home playing their, their local club, track, whatever you want to call it, they're all going to execute in that moment for their little bet they have going, money game, what have you. But, you know, big stage takes big cojones, you know, right. and a big heart. You, you can't be can't be bashful you know and there's a lot of bashful play out there did I mean, ricky look lethargic to you did he he, he kind of looked like a zombie to me on the final round sunday trying to capture his first major he's been in the slump for four years the whole world's yeah playing for him. and i mean I, I expected that that's a massive situation for a guy who just a few months ago was pretty much written off he's Essentially, as far as a, a tour player, he's fighting for his career right now. And I think shooting a 62 on 
Thursday was not helpful. I think if, if you were to ask him again, if he could have shot a couple under, got hot maybe Friday or Saturday and found himself in that position, it would have been better. I think because of the conditions and the stage, he was kind of protecting, you know, and you just, you're not going to win at US Open protecting. Right. Scared yeah. money doesn't make money. No. Um, Wyndham Clark didn't look like he was protecting anything. He had nothing to lose. Yeah. And he, you know? he, he went for it and he got it. Let's talk about the criticisms that everyone is lobbying out there against this U.S. Open and against LACC in particular. The first one being, and we both can speak to this, I was on the grounds Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You came on Thursday. Uh, the first one being that this was not at all a spectator-friendly venue, tournament, golf course, uh, you were there on Thursday. What were your thoughts on how that venue and the footprint of the campus set up for your enjoyment as a spectator? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the most friendly from a spectator standpoint. And how so? Um, I think just the geography of the land, for one. Um, you can't really see it as much on TV. I know we talked about that um, on Friday when you were still there because after not seeing anything about it yet on TV – and then being there Thursday and actually walking the course and then coming home and watching it on TV Friday. I think we spoke about how how different it looked on television. Kind of like for years, everyone always would say, oh, when you go to Augusta, you're not going to believe how undulated it is because it doesn't really look like it on TV. And I think the same can be said about LACC. There's a lot of barrancas, which I could do without hearing for the next three years. But as far as the spectator standpoint, hard to walk around. They're hard walks. The GA bleachers were very, very small and almost unattainable. And when you say GA, you mean general admission, the grandstands that yeah. the regular ticket holding public could get, could get into, not a VIP where those chalets were reserved for people with certain wristbands. Yeah, and you know what? There were, there were two classes of people there. There was the, the, the uber wealthy or the uber wealthy's invites, and then there were the dudes who got in, you know, mm -hmm. and even most of the, of the GA people that you would call it were myself included gifted a ticket through an organization or invited by something outside themselves. I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing on what I've heard and what I saw. There weren't too many good old fashioned fans that bought tickets and showed up and walked around that open. It was something other than that. And I think you could tell. The main thing is, back to your question, is the geography. And the takeaway after walking the course is getting from point A to point B, you miss a lot of golf. You're not walking up on a group, seeing a guy shot, looking across a fairway, seeing another guy shot. You're just walking. You're hoofing it up some fucking hill. Then you finally get to the destination. You can't see it. But, you know, it's just, it wasn't fan friendly at all. And to be honest, looking at some of those what do you even call them? Uh, VIP boxes, yeah. tents, whatever you want to call them. The chalets. The chalets. A lot of them were in places where you're like, we said it a number of times out there, you don't even see any golf from where these people are sitting right here. Right. Or that you one, see one shot. Yeah, that one behind 14, it's like they had this whole thing and it's looking in the back of the bleachers of 14 mm -hmm. and it's looking eye level at the green level of whatever hole that is coming in and you're like no one in here is even watching golf they're just having corona premieres and looking at a jumbotron yeah it was fucking weird 
the whole place was really weird. I think the golf course is cool. I think, you know, scoring wise, after all the negative Nancy's from day one, I think it, it leveled the playing field out. You know, the, the, the winning score didn't move much from that day forward. So, it, you know, I, I think the course played tough. You could say whatever you want about this and that, and, I, and we're going to get into that. But ultimately, you know, it's, it was their first go doing it. They catered to the elitists and selling a ton of boxes. And we know the numbers, you know, of LACC made a hand over fist on this tournament. I don't think they produced a great fan experience. And that's what a U.S. Open is supposed to be. And I'm a country club guy. I think country clubs are cool. But I think munis are cool, too. Whether you were there or not in Torrey in 08, you watch those videos of Tiger on Saturday making that run, hobbling around, making shots from everywhere. Dude, the place is going nuts. Absolutely nuts. Did you see any of that? The, the only thing I saw that was cool was on 18 when they let the ropes down and the people like bum rush the fairway. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, yeah, some life. Yeah, Look at that. It right took four end. fucking days to get yeah. here. I, I, I think if everyone's being honest, I think LACC is a cool spot. I think they gave a big effort. I think they catered a little bit in the wrong direction. But ultimately, I wouldn't say they won this week. I wouldn't say the USGA won. And I wouldn't say LACC won. I don't think they failed. but it wasn't as great as the hype leading up to it. And that's, you know, that was the risk they had to take because when you keep your door shut to the, to the outside world and you're a exclusive property and membership and golf course and all that stuff, when you finally open it up, you better check all the boxes. And I've said this in many of our discussions, Hawk, over the years on major championships, how good of a job does Augusta National do? Every little thing that they present and put out is extremely thought through. Whether you like it or not, they create and present an elevated everything. Why don't all these other three majors run that playbook in their own mood board? I thought that this was going to be like that because you look at the clubhouse at LACC, you look at the tradition, you look how they kept everyone out. You're like, this could be an Augusta-like U.S. Open. So I think they kind of let me down in that. I think Augusta naturally has the advantage of dialing everything in because it's the only major that's at the exact same venue every single year. So they do have they do have that advantage. The way I described LACC on the grounds to a lot of my friends was it's like going to Las Vegas. And we've all been there where when you're on the grounds, you see all these giant buildings and lights and cool things. And you say, oh, I want to go there. I want to do this. That looks fun. Oh, that's really close. And then you start walking there and it takes forever to get there. Like you said, it was a giant hoof. You were you were moving around in lots of places and missing lots of things and not seeing a lot of golf. But that being said, that's the nature of going to a golf tournament. And you and I have been to a lot of these together now. And I've been to a, a lot of them before you and I uh, became friends. And to me, a golf tournament, if you're going there to see golf and to understand where people stand on the leaderboard and to get good angles and sight lines and, and have a better feel for it than what people are seeing on TV because you're there live, you're just living in a, a alternate universe. That's not what a golf tournament is. A golf tournament is seeing these guys up close for a couple seconds as they walk by from a certain green to a different tee box. It's not really being able to see where the ball's going. It's fighting for positions. It's paying for overpriced drinks. And then it's walking away going, oh, that was kind of fun. That was a that was a human experience. That was an event. And you got to see some things that maybe you don't see on TV, but you certainly see a lot more on television than you do 
at LACC. Now, to the other criticism that the country club is facing right now and that the USGA is facing is that this US Open was too easy. Everyone feels like US Open should hover right around even par and these guys should get their brains beat in. Where do you come out on this being too easy of a US Open for these players? I think that's just hogwash, dude. I, that's just that's just echo chamber golf industry. You know, everyone's got to have a, a an opinion, but the opinion is always that of what everyone's griping about in the moment. And yeah, you had a couple guys course record the place on on day one, but then what they do, you know? So it's like that's going to happen here and there, and especially I I think that was because the way they set the course up catered to that potential but ultimately the course would would win it was like they played some good hands in vegas but essentially the house won you know i think um fairways were a little wide for for a u.s open and i really am having a hard time wrapping my head around the firm and fast aspect of the setup when it comes to the fairways keep the greens lightning keep them hard so you, you you can't suck it back you know so you have to play an artistic and 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 proper shot coming in letting rory get 75 yards of roll on one is ridiculous you want to make the course long that's cool but like what about watering the shit out of the fairways so that ball is landing like a butterfly with sore feet and now these guys have to really think about their second shot I, I think the, 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 the hard rolling fairways, that's, you know, British Open, sure, you know, that's Lynx golf, but not a U.S. Open. Again, I think rough high, fairways narrow, course long, greens fast and firm, but I'd like to see the fairways a little softer. And uh, I think that would sh- have the course show more teeth, especially as far as length's concerned. Making these courses longer and longer and longer, but then keeping the fairways rolling, it just just caters into the the technology of the of the clubs and the ball nowadays and you're never going to keep up with that. To your point that. about the day one scoring, both Ricky and Xander shot 62s course records. They were 8 under to begin their tournament. Ricky finished at 5 under, Xander finished at 3 under. So that's uh 3 over par for Ricky his last 54 holes, 5 over par for Xander his last 54 holes. So The course definitely got harder as the week went on. We mentioned that the lead only moved two shots over the last 54 holes. Wyndham Clark won at 10 under. The lead was eight under after the first round. Now, some pretty exciting news. Uh, It's a rumor out there. Can't substantiate it at this point, but a couple of golf writers have put it out there. And uh, our apologies in advance. We're we're not typically professional golf dorks, the way we're kind of dorking out on this, but we were both at the U.S. Open. It happened in our backyard, and we have opinions on it. But but something really cool that I read is that in 2031, the U.S. Open is uh, rumored to be headed to Riviera Country Club. Wow which isn't far from Los Angeles Country Club. Again, it had been 75 years since the U.S. Open came to Los Angeles. The last one was at Riviera before this one at LACC. You've been to Riviera. You just went to the Genesis. Uh, You and I went together uh, in February. That is such a great golf tournament, such a great golf course, a lot of history there. So spectator friendly. It is the best walk I've ever taken in golf. Uh, what are your thoughts if the U.S. Open does come to Riviera in eight years? I love it. 
obviously it'd be the same time of year, right? So mm-hmm. the question is, are they going to listen to the USGA and cave in and turn the place into a Bermuda track? Or are they going to keep it winter overseed with Kikuya in the summer? That's my biggest thing. I would have loved to see that here this last week, you know, keep it how it kind of was for a long time. But I think it's great. Riviera is awesome. But again, you got to narrow up those fairways. I like my theory in, in, of keeping the fairways a little sticky and making the greens really hard. I think that's a deadly combination. If, if you're going to cut it off the tee with driver and you're going to get 50 yards a roll, that's a problem, dude. You should have to manufacture that roll. You shouldn't get it for free. I think these guys are getting away with a lot of shit nowadays for free with the technology in the equipment. You know, you're going to cut it off the tee. That thing should sit, you know? Right. Like, yeah, you're going to take that shot because it's your go-to. It's a, it's a little easier to carve it in there, a little less risk, you know, but you're going to be a little further back. You know, mm-hmm. you want to turn one over, you're going to get a little more trickle. That puts the artistry back in the tee shot. You know, these guys, they're just swinging out of their shoes cutting it 15 yards and it's rolling out like a draw from 1990 dude yeah it's just it's not fair you know and and the golf courses aren't gonna be able to keep up with that so i would instead of just keep making these courses longer and longer and longer and letting these guys just hit knuckles out there let's make that tee shot stick as a purist myself i would love to watch that artistry more than guys just overpower golf courses spin wedges back go on birdie runs. One of my favorite things about this tournament in particular and being on site as long as I was and how open a lot of the members were about talking about the the US Open and the USGA being there. And part of why, uh, and I want to make this clear, why I enjoyed the US Open so much was because of all of the intrigue and the rumors and the hearsay that was flying around the course rampantly the entire week. One of them being that LACC was in complete control of the ticketing and that they only wanted 20,000 fans on their property, which is about, you know, half as many, if not uh, more than you typically see at a golf tournament. There were something like only 8,000 released to the public, which in the second largest city in the country, that's nothing. And I've also heard that the membership isn't too pleased with how this U.S. Open went down. And there's something to keep in mind that the leadership of the club and the membership of the club are two completely different things. So the leadership of LACC from all reports were very, very excited to flip their reputation on its head, to open up the the gates to the world, to let everyone in, the TV cameras, the players, the fans. And they were excited to show this thing off. And I guess it came rumor Uh, at a cost to the membership, the cost being their South course. And a lot of people don't know this. There's another 18 holes at LACC is completely unplayable for the next six months because all of those grandstands and concession stands and pedestrian traffic coming in from where they were parking is what was the South course. You didn't know it, but you were standing on their other golf course. And that golf course is going to take six months to bring back. I get where you're going. That I, I don't think they care as much about that, although that sucks. They wanted the image of it all. I don't care how rich you are when you're spending that kind of money just to be a part of one thing. You want your debut 
to the world to be an absolute home run. And I don't think there's an honest member in that entire club that could say that this was a home run. No. And that's the thing is if you are going to make the member allegedly pay for their own ticket, which I heard was a thousand dollars, give up their South course for six months, have the North course close a month ahead of the U S open and probably not be able to play that for another couple months as they tear down all the grandstands and the USGA gets out of there and they repair their golf course. If you have to make those kind of sacrifices and let the entire world in, and on Monday, the world is saying that this didn't live up to the hype. The course wasn't that hard. It didn't look good on television. Uh, the fairways were too wide. Hell, even on Thursday saying this U.S. Open's a joke because you've got two guys that just set course records. If you're going to sacrifice all of that to bring people in, the payoff better be everyone walking away saying LACC is the best place in the world. And they're not getting that payoff right now. Instead, they can't play golf for a couple of months. Mm -hmm. They can't play it on the South course for what, six months. What, what do you think? And they're that, being criticized. That let's, let's talk club president and the board members right now at LACC. What do you think their email inbox looks like? You know, I thought about that driving in today and you know, the country club culture. Those guys are getting torn apart. Yeah. I, I don't torn know. Torn apart. Image is everything. And I know from working in media that you can tell yourself a story. You can cherry pick the good ones. You can go find some friendlies in the media and then circulate those around to the board and the members and say, look, there are people out there that loved it. Let's just let's create our own uh, echo chamber of positivity right now. But this was on such a massive scale. And, and, and you know, you have international reporters there, people from all over the country coming in. Uh, podcasters, golf channel, and and people are letting their opinions fly. And I mean, it's been a mixed bag, but I would say what I have been hearing mostly has been negative towards the course and towards the membership for turning it into um, an elitist tournament. It's the national championship. The whole world's supposed to be there from top to bottom. Everyone, all classes, I guess you didn't see that, and the membership big, has to deal with that. Big Judge Smells vibes this week. Yeah, which know? I didn't hate, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> I Look, we get this once a year, so why can't they be different? They, they don't all have to be Oakmont. They yeah. don't all have to be Pinehurst. They can be different. They don't all have to be Pebble. I really like this one because of the cool factor of it, uh, the fact that the Playboy Mansion is out there on 14. I mean, that's cool. And then you hear the story that Hugh Hefner was denied membership his entire yeah. life. And so what did he do? He built an exotic zoo in his backyard to make noise, to disrupt all the country club members yeah. that wouldn't let him in. You know, the other thing I wanted to mention that just dawned on me was not everyone can go to these events, but most everyone who likes golf obviously watches them. I think what was really distracting from the telecast was the airspace above. And we were there on Thursday and there was, you know, the Johnny O thing. And obviously our buddy Cole paid for it too. I want to know what Cole paid for that. Yeah, but, but, and I thought Cole's was hilarious because it was actually like very on brand and very kind of avant-garde golf culture, you know? Yeah. And, and for those that don't cool. know, our friend Cole Young, who owns Metalwood Studio, who has a fascination with blades, um, decided to fly a Cessna above 
LACC trailing a giant banner that said got blades, uh, like, like the got milk sign. What I, what I thought was funny about that was he decided to include the name of his brand Metalwood and the address of his store in like super small 24 times new Roman font that no one could make out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he flew it at an event in which there are only 4,000 people on the ground. Yeah. So nice bang for your buck there, Cole. Yeah, yeah. Well done. But, and and I thought it was funny. It was it was a hell of an expensive joke from the viewer standpoint because we saw Johnny O had one of those things. There was another plane. You turn on that golf tournament, watch the replays. Every single clip, all you hear is... <laughs> You know, and I thought if if I'm LACC and I'm doing this next time around and we're pulling the trigger, I'm I'm buying that airspace and I'm telling everyone to get the fuck out. Yeah, because and I don't disagree with you. It's It's a a horrible look. look. And we were there together on Thursday and we look up and there's this giant noisy ass plane above six and it says Johnny O welcomes you to the U.S. Open. Well, how about you welcome us to the U.S. Open by getting the hell out of here and landing that yeah. plane back at Santa Monica so we can hear what's going on? Go back to the beach, Johnny O. Oh, wait, you don't serve. Now, if the acoustics of Augusta are what make that golf tournament so appealing, not just for the people there, but on television where you feel like you're there because you can hear the birds chirping and and the, and the, and the and Ray's Creek moving, it was the complete opposite at LACC. Yeah. It, it was the zoo. It was a circus in the sky, which... What does it say about the golf tournament when there's more noise happening in the sky than there is down on the grounds? Yeah, I think I think that it just adds to the collectiveness of my opinion that wouldn't call it a failure, but wouldn't call it a win by by any means. I think there are a lot of learning lessons. Again, you have to keep in mind this is a first time U.S. Open venue. Every time a U.S. Open comes somewhere for the first time. There's a lot of things to take away. We saw it in 2015 at Chambers Bay. I was at that U.S. Open. I went again next year in 2016 to Oakmont in Pennsylvania. Isn't it Chambers? It's Chambers Bay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm I'm dead-ass positive. It's Chambers. It's it's Chambers Bay. But um, going there in 2015 to Chambers and 2016 to Oakmont, you could see which venue had hosted it eight times and which venue had hosted it for the first time. And LACC, I think, will take away a lot of lessons if indeed it does come back in 2039. It's on the schedule. Another rumor is that that schedule is written in pencil, not in pen, and that the USGA and LACC have kind of a unspoken agreement that depending on how this one went, they would reassess coming back in 2039, despite the fact that they announced that it would come back in 2039. 39. Um, one last thought on the, the airplanes flying above. Get a get a blimp, for God's sakes. There's a Goodyear blimp that flies out of Carson, California, not yeah, too far ice, away. Ice Cube sung about it. Y- y- yes, yes. Get, get, get something that's not so noisy. Apparently, CBS uses an airplane as well, but they use a much nicer, quieter airplane. You've been to the beach on holiday weekends. That and, shit was just tacky, dude. Yeah, and, and you've seen it at the beach. If you go to any California beach on a holiday weekend... There's eight airplanes that are flying by, and that's the vibe of the beach, you know? Like, you see a Corona Premier seltzer banner flying by, you see military aircraft going by, whatever, and it's fine because it's the beach. But at Los Angeles Country Club for the U.S. Open, it was very, very tacky. Mm-hmm. And I, it wasn't just tacky, it was distracting for everyone, whether you were there or watching on television, and it was just an overall bad look. Let's get out on this. 
if the U.S. Open does indeed come back in 2039, it is scheduled to come back in 2039 to the Los Angeles Country Club. As someone that went, would you go again? Not unless I knew that the setup was more conducive for actually following. Let me put it as square as I can for you, Hawk. My wife loves Cam Smith, and our plan was to follow him, and we could not follow him. And that's the way the course was set up. There were places you couldn't continue walking and had to turn around. There were places where you had to cut across the fairway and go around bleachers because they were off limits. And we ran into literal dead ends and literally had to stop following the player we wanted to follow. I'd, I'd rather watch it at home if that's the case. Yeah, good point. You and I have been to Torrey Pines together for a U.S. Open. We've been to the Bob Hope Classic and been out on both PGA West courses and La Quinta Country Club. And we've been to Riviera together. In none of those cases did we ever have to turn around, beeline from a dead end, not see what we wanted to see. And in all those cases, we were following our guys, Pat and Kazire and Joe Edder. And we successfully and easily followed them for every single shot. That was not possible at Los Angeles Country Club because of the routing, because of the VIP chalets. Maybe that changes in 39. Maybe it doesn't. We'll find out. I don't think they're coming back. Well, that's we'll find out. Um, my final takeaway, uh, I did love this U.S. Open. I loved being there. I felt grateful for the opportunity. I'm glad that I saw the course. If you go and see a place, it makes it that much more enjoyable to see it on television that weekend. Word to the wise, some advice from someone that's been there and done that. Go on Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, stay home on the weekend. That's the way to do these golf tournaments. I know it feels like you want to be there on Sunday when a champion gets crowned, but I would say 50 million people saw it on television from every single angle and just a couple of hundred people saw it at Los Angeles Country Club. So that's going to do it for us. That's our U.S. Open recap here on The Fellowship. Thank you, Ryan, for uh, sitting through this. And, that was the most golf we've ever talked in our lives. And probably the most golf we will ever talk yeah. uh, at the professional level. Maybe next time we'll get into uh, the Live and PGA merger. Uh, we have thoughts on that as well. But, yeah, that'll be for next time. Thank you for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time on The Fellowship. <laughs>